Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Where are those weird noises coming from that are supposedly coming from the sky? Can Ouija boards actually help you? What's the story with quote-unquote reptilians? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 429th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and we have rescheduled our guest, Niels Hobbs of the University of Rhode Island, for next week. So tonight, we will do an open line show, because we are always, as always, swamped with emails. I hope I brought enough. No, there's never enough. And because dear old Ben is with us this evening, thanks to Spring Break, we will favor you all with a contest question for the week. Yes, and the question is, well, it's pretty weird. In European folklore, what does it mean when a dog howls three times in quick succession? Uh, get that right, and win a copy of Footsteps in the Attic, my dad's most popular book. So let's get to some of those emails. And if you'd like to call in tonight, feel free to do so. The number nationally, 800-449-1240. Locally, 401-766-1240. Feel free to call in. Okay. Our first one has to do with last week's show, on which we had Larry Warren, eyewitness, U.S. Air Force eyewitness to the famous Rendlesham UFO incidents in England, Rendlesham Forest, 1980, where Ben and I visited last September with Larry Warren. So this is from Dr. Peter, just says Iowa, USA. Anybody with a doctor in front of their name, especially if they're an MD, is terrified to give us their last name, and I can't blame them. So here you go. I'd be terrified, too. So, hi, Paul and Ben. I uh, love your new picture. Ben, I started listening to you guys uh, when you were a kid. I can't believe you have a beard. Eh, neither can I. Uh, about last week's show with Larry Warren, I don't know what to believe, but I agree with you guys that the factions and uh, dissension among the witnesses uh, smacks of a cover-up. That's a weird adjective. Uh, well, let's just say that reeks of a cover-up and disinformation. If I had an, any, uh, if I had an experience like any of these guys, it uh, would have been uh, live or life-changing, and I mean, in a, and I mean in a good way. I have heard all your vendors from broadcasts, and it seems that Larry is the most sincere. Uh, the other guys stayed in the Air Force and had the most to lose. It doesn't add up. Anyway, keep up the great work. You make my week. Well, thank you very much, Doctor. I can live six months on one good compliment, as Mark Twain would say. Thank you also for the compliment on our new picture, which is on our website. The young lady who took the picture is right here in the studio with us now, taking more pictures. So I guess we must be more photogenic than we thought, or she just wants to get me while I still have hair. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> Hopefully it won't all fall off by the end of the show. Well, anyway, again, Doctor, thank you for writing in, and uh, you can come in. And we have, uh, I tend to agree with you that this does smack of a cover-up. One thing we learned in the military during intelligence training was, you know, you can't keep a secret anymore. So what you want to do is give accurate information from inaccurate sources and inaccurate information from accurate sources, and everybody just keeps guessing, and everybody loves a mystery. So everybody has fun while being confused. So I think that's the situation here with Rendlesham. Larry is the one who was uh, one of the security officers at the site. He wasn't an officer, he was an enlisted man, but he was a security policeman. There were, uh, he, as he said, what did he say, Ben, like 40-something people there when he walked up to the uh, site of the UFO landing and the, the, the craft was on the ground, as he relates it, with 
at, at several points, small beings communicating with the commanding officer of the base. Uh, this is all in their book, Left at East Gate, which is really quite an exciting read, written with uh, our other good friend, uh, Peter Robbins. And uh, that's essentially what, that was his main experience. But one thing that, and we didn't really have time to get into it last week, but one of the things that he said was that when he and Peter went back many years, well, not many years, but years and years later, uh, to the Woodbridge area in, in the Suffolk County in England where this society is located, there was some interesting activity going on. The two NATO bases that straddle the forest were still open, and there was some military activity when they happened to walk past the perimeter and onto the field. Nobody seems to have stopped them because it was at night. And uh, there were other strange lights. There, there, were, there was a, almost it looked like like kind of a city on the horizon, which was really strange. It, it smacks to me of a multiverse experience, which, as you know, if you listen to the show regularly, our theory is this is what is is the cause of most, if not all, paranormal events. So, um, I, th- this I think was what was happening, and I think the area is. Um, um, Perhaps being covered up in a way because maybe the militarism is interested in what happens in areas like this. A lot of uh, military activity we've noticed in areas where there are some substantial cases are in areas where there are substantial cases that we're, we've been interested in and, and where they may be researching this for possible uh, use in, in, in conjunction with military systems. I don't know. Uh, we also suspect that other things are going on of that kind. So we wonder if that's, that sort of thing still is, is not going on in the Rendlesham area. The old uh, RAF Woodbridge, RAF Bentwaters has been turned into an industrial park, but RAF uh, Woodbridge has been um, retained by the, the, the British Army, not the Air Force, the Army which we find interesting. There's some helicopters flying in and out of there, once, but nobody really knows what goes on there, at least that they can tell us. So who knows what's going on? But I think um, we, we, we're friends with all the major witnesses. They've all been on the show several times. Uh, we respect them all, but um, Larry we know best, mainly because we've met him personally, and I just uh, I tend to agree with, with Dr. Peter here on, on well, this. Well, the... There's one part of this email that just doesn't make sense to me, and uh, let me restate it. Quote: If I had an experience like any of these guys, it would have been a life change. It would have been life changing, and I mean in a good way. And that's the thing that weirds me out. How would it be good? Well, I suppose that that's a good question, Ben. Uh, this this did change their lives mainly because it messed them up. They were messed with supposedly, and even Colonel Hall. No, no offense, Doctor Peter. I'm just. I don't know. That's well, just, the last time he writes to us. Thanks, Ben. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, we don't often get compliments like this. Uh, so. now, now he's never going to compliment us again. Well, anyway, uh, I, I, they, they just were. Um, I don't know. It just seemed to me that these people, people who stayed in the Air Force, and everyone did except Larry. Uh, they very often were um, messed with. Larry tried to get back into the Air Force later. They wouldn't let him. Uh, they, they put stuff on his record that, according to him, hadn't been there, mostly medical stuff and all this business. But the ones who stayed in, you wonder, you know, if they stayed in, maybe they were influenced to, um, I don't know. I, I really can't say. I don't, I don't want to speculate too, too broadly on this, although the paranormal is mostly speculation. So I don't know. But I, t- I tend to agree with what the doctor says. I'm suspicious of a lot of the, the things going on here. I, I too, w- would be, I suppose, inspired or frightened or something other than divided over something like this. Uh, what, why this, this descended into the factionalism that it has today. And, and there are whole camps of people around the world who follow one camp or the other, 
who think that what one witness or one group of witnesses was wrong or is making it up or this kind of thing. And I, I, I don't know. There seems to be something. Well, how could I actually know if they were making it up? That's the well, thing. Yeah, well, you can't. Yeah, you, I mean, again, yeah. so we've tried to present all the, you know, umpteen times all the witnesses <laughs> and all the points of view on this show. And uh, I, to me, I still don't think we've scratched the surface of this. Except to say that we've been there and weird things happen and we think it's the tip of an iceberg. Okay. So that's about all we can say on that. Right. Okay. On to something entirely oh, different. Uh, not entirely different. Oh, no. Uh, this is another Rendlesham uh, question. I, I, I do the first because this was our show last week. This is from Sue. I won't give her last name. She says not to. In North Attleboro, Massachusetts, right in our listening area. All right. Hi, guys. Uh, I have lived in some weird places and uh, really relate to your ideas about the multiverse. I really thought about uh, that when you had Larry on about Rendlesham Forest and when you talked about uh, going there yourself in September. My question is, how many places like this have you guys checked out? How common is it to have uh, places like this where there are UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, and all, all that at the same time? Well, we haven't really been... To that many places. I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many places we've been that are similar to Rendlesham Forest because it's expensive to go to these places. Well, you, you can speak for yourself, son, because uh, over the, the many years when you were not even a twinkle in my eye yet, I was doing this, and I went to a number of places that reminded me kind of of Rendlesham well, Forest. Well, she, she said in the plural. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, in the plural, all right. Uh, but I think that certainly central, the central Connecticut area where we've been working since 05 off and on has been a very interesting place as far as the reports we're getting and stuff that's gone on. And this, of course, being the area where this terrible tragedy occurred at the, the school in Newtown. Freetown. What? Freetown State Forest. Oh, Freetown State Forest in Massachusetts. That's right. <clears throat> the whole area of the, uh, the so-called Bridgewater Triangle where a lot of strange things happened. And we got some interesting photographs there, too. So, so there, I think this... Uh, Sue is is very common. I don't think it's uncommon at all. I think that that the it's in a way sort of the normal state of our world. I think that the these uh, this multiverse thing, which is essentially what is speculated about by some physicists, that, that there are many different worlds side by side. You can't always see them or experience them because we're not up to it from an, in the evolutionary scale yet. And the, these things have concrete realities in them, and many versions of us. And they all at, at at certain places and times they can blend. So you get worlds where there are UFOs or people who here have died but there have not, and we think they're ghosts and uh, strange creatures like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster, what have you. It can all happen in the multiverse, as it's called, in certain areas, and it has something to do with the geotechnics of the site. Uh, a lot of electromagnetic activity can do funny things with space-time. In other words, worlds can cross. And I think it's exactly what's going on. So Rendlesham is just one of those places, one of the more extreme examples, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. You didn't make it out of the parking lot. Uh, don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I'm just saying. You know, you're a very sensitive chap, and that's what happens. So uh, I think it's very common, Sue. Okay, now now for something completely different. Are we sure? Is this, yes. Is it something different? No, no, there were there were others, but I didn't bring them in tonight. Uh, this is from Holly in Biddeford, Maine. It has to do with a dog ghost. Alrighty, so Holly writes to us. Uh, can a dog be a ghost? Our beloved border collie, Ruffy, died a month ago and our whole family is still seeing him. Uh, not head on, but going around corners and far away and stuff like that. We feel that he is around and we like that. Uh, is it not, it's not 
or it is not scary and evil at all, or evil at all. Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, sorry to hear about uh, Ruffy. Uh, you know, we're quite um, uh, very much animal lovers in our family. But, you know, y- y- I hear this a lot. You know what's really fascinating is a lot of these experiences that, that are paranormal, that people believe are paranormal, are very interesting because you don't quite see it head on. You see it out of the corner of your eye, or as you say, you see him maybe going around, you see his tail going around corners, or, you know, it doesn't, it's not quite a, a, a meet-up experience. I find that very interesting. And, uh, of course, you know us, we always fall back on this multiverse thing, because I think it's a, it's, it's a brilliant solution to a lot of problems in the, in the paranormal. And remember, there are many worlds in which Ruffy did not die, and in which he's still living with you. And these things kind of all blend. And what they do is, um, um, in, in certain areas where uh, there are the en- where the energies are correct, uh, especially in your home, where there are many versions of, uh, of worlds and versions of you there, uh, this this is what can happen. So uh, that's why you see the so-called ghosts of just about anything, in my opinion, is because there are worlds crossing into yours where this person never died, or where this is occurring, or that's occurring. It's the same thing. You put your keys down, you turn around, and they're gone all of a sudden. You know how do you explain that? Since it's not nothing earth-shattering, you sort of say, "Well, it's just one of those things," and you forget about it by the end of the day. But it's not just one of those things. It's the normal state of the of the planet. It's the multiverse. Okay. So I think that's essentially what's happening uh, with Ruffy here. Uh, so yes, I suppose in that sense, a dog can cert or any animal or any any anything can really be a quote-unquote ghost. I don't think it's a, it's the spirit of anybody who's died. I don't think there is any such thing as death in a, in a world such as we describe. It wouldn't be possible. But beyond dogs, uh, I've encountered the um, uh, manifestations of, of cats, birds, uh, who knows about wild animals, because we generally don't see them, and also of so-called inanimate objects. And I don't think there is any such thing, really. Any Native American will tell you that. We did a show on phantom places. Or Shinto? Yeah. What do they say? Well, there's just everything has a spirit. I think. Okay, I, yeah. I think. I'm not entirely sure. Right. Don't quote me on this. I just know they have spirits of vegetables and stuff. Okay. Well, it's the nationalist Japanese religions, which I'm trying to remember. Was not very I, popular here during World War Two. No, yeah. no, no. I'll, I'll look it up and get okay. back to you. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But the point being that we we did a whole show on phantom places, buildings. That appeared town, whole towns uh, where where people would go. Uh, this is well documented, and, and they visited and stayed over at a hotel. Everything was was pleasantly strange, as in sort of antique. Uh, the food was was remarkable. The, the everything was was not like today. It wasn't at all synthetic. Everything seemed to be real. And sure enough, they uh, tried to find the place later, and it was uh, wasn't even the building wasn't even there anymore. The old police station was still there, and the people said, "Oh, that that used that was this, and it was this, and before that, we we heard that it was once a hotel." So. You have a lot of strange time things going on here, odd juxtapositions in space and odd uh, disjointedness here and there, which is caused by crossing worlds or worlds crossing you in the multiverse. And that's, I think, happened with dear old Ruffy here, and that's uh, essentially as simple as that, if you can call that simple. But I think that's, uh, that's what's going on. Here's one from Steffi in Branson, Missouri. Uh, Steph, Steffi writes, Hi, Paul and Ben. How come you don't have uh, more ghost hunters on? I'd love to be on to talk about my experiences. I have been ghost hunting for five years with my team. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, dear, dear. All right. 
Well, we get that question a lot, and I have to tell you, Steffi, that we um, generally try to, I don't know how to say this without being rude or insulting, but I guess I'm just going to say it. How would you put it, Ben? Uh, do you have anything new to bring to the table? Well, that, that's a good question, yeah. We find that this, when I started this in the early 1970s, I mean, people thought you were nuts. Nobody was out, at least they would talk about ghost hunting, a term that I can't stand, by the way. There, you know, I, I started this before that term even was coined by the media. And uh, there were, I worked with probably the grandmother and grandfather of modern ghost hunting and Lorraine Warren. And I worked with uh, eminent uh, people in the church, such as Father John Nicola, Jesuit uh, exorcist and, and uh, the uh, technical advisor for that film, something he always regretted. And uh, several other people uh, who were, who were uh, eminent in, in the field at the time, uh, both parapsychology and in uh, uh, the theological aspect and all this business. But there wasn't going on then what's going on now. People weren't out doing ghost hunting as if they were bird watching or collecting butterflies. I mean, and, and that is not a good idea to do that. So the reason we don't have more on is because, first of all, they all say the same thing, number one. Number two, they're all married to this 19th century spiritualist approach to what's going on uh, that we just I, that I rejected by the late 1970s. I think we should be way beyond that in any kind of paranormal research. Number three, I don't want to encourage people to do that. It's a stupid idea because you have no idea what you're getting into. You, since they have no idea, they have a campfire story idea of what they're dealing with, they have no idea how dangerous it can be to themselves, to their families, and to the people who they're, they're supposedly trying to help. Now, I'm not saying there aren't great people out there with, with, with good hearts, good spirits, and good uh, intentions. But, uh, you know, the old saying, heaven help us, uh, save us from people with good intentions. They don't know what they're doing. They shouldn't be in there. It's, it's like somebody who is maybe, ha- and, and their biographies inevitably begin, not with a uh, degree in, in this or that, but, but in, uh, not that that's always a help, but it always begins with, uh, so-and-so was interested in the paranormal from a very young age or had an, or lived in a haunted house. Or had, that doesn't make you an expert in anything. It's like if you, it doesn't mean you've, if you've had brain surgery, it doesn't mean you can perform brain surgery. So, uh, and, and we often get the question, well, who is, well, then who is qualified to work in this field? Nobody. And I, I, as I say, I, in 03, I was uh, flown down to a conference in Tampa, Florida, for against my better judgment, for beginning ghost hunters, and 230 people were in the room, roughly. And uh, somebody asked me, well, well, what would you say would be the number one advice for anybody getting in this field? And I said one word, don't. Because, you, again, you have no idea what you're actually dealing with. This is a dangerous field, psychologically, spiritually, and sometimes even physically. I've been injured on several occasions. Why am I in it? And why do they permit my son to get into it? Well, in my case, I started out in the seminary, uh, and I got in trouble there for doing this. I was simply researching, trying to help people, and I felt that I was working with some outstanding experts at the time, what few there were, et cetera, et cetera. When Ben was 13, uh, we decided that he would, um, he really wanted to help out. Ben, you tell the story. Oh, well, you just sort of invited me along one day, and I figured, okay, why not? Well, then, well not after, not before a long talk with your mother. Right. So after what, what, a long talk with mom. Yeah. So I. Well, I actually, you came down, was before that, that one time before that, it was in Eastern Connecticut, a uh, lovely, lovely herb farm. Can't remember the name of it, otherwise I'd give him a plug. 
But what they did was call us because there were things going on that they thought were very interesting. They, were, they weren't afraid, but it was a, one of these thin places like Reynolds from Forest where you'd see different people and different things and UFOs and so ghosts and you name it. But it was all in a rather quiet way and it wasn't uh, threatening. So we went down there and it's funny. On the way down, you said to me something very strange. You said, Dad, there are going to be UFOs involved with this case. And I said, Ben, what are you talking about? This is, nobody said anything about UFOs. And sure enough, there it was. You were right. And uh, one of the first things she said was there were people have seen UFOs here as well. I'm good at this game. You are very good at it. So you had, I think, sort of extraordinary abilities that I think would uh, not um, preclude you from working in this field. But as far as – but we, you know, we've had um, pop paranormal people on the show, and they always ask to be on the show. And I just – I just can't take them seriously. There's nothing new. Um, you know, they don't really have... Uh, one of the problems here, too, is that with 42 years of experience, it's hard to find anybody... And, and I'm not saying this to be conceited. This is just a fact. It's hard to find somebody who doesn't have, who has any more experience than I have. One of them is Stan Friedman, but that's in the UFO field. Yeah, I mean, that's something entirely but different. But in, in this particular field, other than Lorraine Warren, uh, who is... Um, whom I'm out of contact with now for a number of years, I, I don't know of anyone, um, or just a few people, uh, Hans Holzer has uh, passed away, so I don't know. So we don't have people on the shows, we don't really take them all that seriously. We try to have experts from other fields and witnesses to phenomena. Uh, and I suppose that might include some people who have worked in that field. Well, I guess. Well, we're also not very easy on our guests. No, we're not. Uh, I don't... Um, we don't hesitate to ask difficult questions. As a matter of fact, we've had several guests say, "Do you guys ask difficult questions?" You know, and you know, and we don't pull any punches. I mean, I want to know why you believe what you believe, what evidence you have for it, uh, what epistemology you're using, and those are how you believe you know what you know. And uh, I just because I don't think the old theories hold up. People just assume things and don't think about them. By the way, I did my research on Shinto. Okay. Apparently, everything contains a spiritual essence called kami. And that doesn't exclude, um, well, people or animals or whatever. Everything has a spiritual essence. There you go. Done. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So, yeah. so my, my citation was correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people will say, well, you have this business about, you know, you insult your car and it breaks down. Well, there might be something to that. Everything has sort of an essence to it. Mostly 90s cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, I used to, I don't know, you have to be an engineer to work on that. Well, not, case, 90s cars have personality. Yeah, well, yours certainly does. What do you mean? The Geo? The Geo's dead and gone, but that did have personality. Well, you know what we say about ghosts. That that, anyway, that was a interesting vehicle, the uh, Bumblebee, we called it, because it was yellow and black. Anyway, uh, we have another question here. Actually, why don't we take a break now, and then we can get a fresh start with another question. Right on. So you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hey everybody, this is the Moose Man. Check out the Groove Line for the best blues, rock, funk, classic 50s, and the Beatles every single week. Tune in Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. That's the Groove Line right here on Owen. Owen Radio! Owen Worldwide! Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben. You know, I'm Ben, and he's Paul. 
And we're going to get back into that stack of emails. All right. This one is from Mark in Windsor, Ontario. Um, actually, this is one we read on CBS last night, but I, I wanted to spend more time on it. So we'll, we'll read it again if you don't mind. I don't even remember what it says. So. Okay. <laughs> no, no, nothing against you, Mark. Um, so that was a great show you guys did with uh, Linda Moulton Howe on Strange Noises from the Sky. I was surprised that you didn't ask her uh, if they were coming from alternate universes. Do you think they could be? Uh, why would they be? And what is going on with these noises? What's the latest news? Well, I wish I had my dates on this because we have, we'll have two podcasts with this on our website. Uh, one that we, we did on, on the CBS edition. We had uh, Larry Lowe and well, to answer, Linda Moulton Well, to answer the first question... Well, because people want to hear it again, they can listen to the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, well, if it, the, the, for the first... The first part of that, I remember, I recall uh, a few times ago where we had uh, Linda on, we just gave up trying to ask her questions about the multiverse because she just wouldn't answer them. I don't, I don't know well, if that's the right way to put it, but she was like, well, uh, no. Well, Linda's a good friend of ours, and she, she's also a professional investigative reporter who has yeah. won awards, and we, we just sort of let her go. On the show because she, she's well prepared, and uh, she knows our format, and she just does a great job. So we just kind of don't ask her a lot of questions. But uh, she's open to the multiverse idea. Uh, but as a journalist, uh, which I also am, but I'm, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm a little more biased. That, that's been known to happen in journalism here and there. Uh, and and she is um, uh, just she considers all options. So. But to answer, uh, Mark, your question, I know Windsor, Ontario is one of the, and we have a lot of listeners there because with the Detroit uh, WOMC carries us on Sunday nights. They have um, a lot of strange noises that have been going on there, and you know, it, it look, we did. I looked into that a little bit, and you know, on an island apparently because Detroit is right across the river from Windsor, Ontario, or I should say that yeah, there's the Detroit River. I guess I, I haven't been there lately, but Lake Ontario and. Canada's on one side and uh, New York State's on the other. And there was a, a an old power plant or a facility of some kind on the island, and there was a huge fan that would, would turn in the wind. And that that can set up one of these very strange... Uh, uh, standing waves. Standing yeah. waves, you know, all, so infrasound. And you can't hear it with the ear, but all sorts of odd things can result from this. Now, I remember we, we talked to Shane Eno, no relation to ours, in Denmark, who is head of the Paranormal Institute of Denmark, and he was saying that in, in Denmark, when they they clean uh, all the power plants in certain areas, these uh, the same thing will happen. These turbines will spin and, and create just enough infrasound. Everybody starts reporting paranormal activity, which is really strange. So the question is, does, does, does that it, happen here when people clean? Uh, well, actually, we don't really have that many nuclear power plants. I don't know if they're nuke plants or not. I don't think these are. I think these are ordinary power plants of any kind. Wow. Oh. But the nearest one here to us, I believe, is Fall River, Massachusetts, and then huh. New England gets a lot of its electricity from Quebec, and that's way the heck up in the Laurentian Mountains. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that that doesn't. Yeah, there are only a couple couple of new plants in New England. I don't know. I've never heard of anything like this, but apparently in 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 Denmark there are more plants for smaller areas or something like that. And then this, so that was one of the theories, uh, Mark, about why those noises were heard in your vicinity. So whether it's true, I don't know, but it. it kind of uh, is a red flag to me. Alternate universes, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. All sorts of things can cross over. We, we hear sounds, I think, every day from what are commonly thought of as alternate universes. You know, you're in your house and you're the only one there and you hear a thump upstairs. 
And it could be, you know, something falling off a shelf or, or something entirely normal, or it could be uh, a mini earthquake. A mini earthquake. Yeah, we've been having a lot of those in New England lately. Or it could be just, uh, you know, something that's happening in a parallel reality. It could be you. I've actually had a case like that where the, we recorded a sound that was her, and it was the same sound the guy made every day when he came down the stairs to have his breakfast. Exactly the same sound. And he did it so often that it was present in so many universes that it just sort of carried over uh, when the conditions were right. So uh, we really don't know where they're coming from. If you listen to the recordings we played on, on the show, and again, you can listen to the podcast at BehindTheParanormal.com, we, they're... They struck me as as some of them, especially the ones recorded in the Ukraine and in Costa Rica, as metallic. Now, the trouble with YouTube is that and I love YouTube, but a lot of the th- anything can be faked and put up there, and that's not their job to find out if something's fake or not. So the the sounds seem to be the same in certain areas, and it could be because of that, maybe not. But some of them sounded metallic; others sounded like booming sounds. And those, I think. Uh, our friend George Nuri on Coast to Coast was dealing with that subject last week. Booming sounds and uh, other sounds. That, and people say, aha, metallic sounds must be the trumpets of doom. You know, who knows? Anything's possible. But uh, in that case, I think we uh, we won't know until it happens. But alternate universes, sure, it happens all the time. Uh, so the latest news on these, I would say, Mark, is that um, they are still going on. We are not entirely sure, uh, again, what they're from. Uh, it could happen apparently anywhere. Reports come in from different places. Um, I could have sworn a few weeks ago I thought I heard something around here in the Woonsocket area, but who knows? I don't know. Um, wasn't in a position to record it at the time. So we will uh, keep keep it up. Uh, we will keep reporting on that uh, for you. It's an interesting subject. And uh, if anyone uh, has experienced this, we'd like to know about it. And, again, you can write to us, paul at behindtheparanormal.com or ben at behindtheparanormal.com or just go to our website where there is a question form where you can question or comment and let us know about that kind of thing. So, oh, here this this one is in. I looked at this beforehand. This is a good one. <clears throat> Uh, actually, I do look at them beforehand anyway and make sure people aren't like start swearing and stuff because you can't do that on the air. This is from uh, Helen in Warwick, Rhode Island. Okay, and uh, Ben has left the room, so I'll read it myself. Hi, Paul and Ben. I like your show, but I disagree with you on Ouija boards. I have used it for years and have never had a problem. Of course, I am not a kid. Maybe it is kids that have most of the problems from them at least that is what comes across when you talk about it. In your own book, Paul, you talk about a cousin of yours that used the Ouija board every day. I can see where people should be careful, but I do not think you should just write it off. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Helen, for your um, honesty and uh, for being so candid. However, you know, I, I, I really, really must disagree with you here. It's and, and the analogy I always use is if you stand in the middle of the highway, maybe you'll get hit and maybe you won't. This is what I refer to as one of these sledgehammer techniques for trying to communicate with, quote, the other side. First of all, people don't understand what they're communicating with because they believe this 19th century baloney that we shouldn't even be paying attention to anymore about spirits and other sides and all this stuff uh, that, that, that really should be in the, the ash heap of uh, the para- history of paranormal research by this time. And uh, it is much more interesting and complicated and dangerous than that, I, I, I think, certainly. At least 75 to 80% of the cases I dealt with in my earliest years and through the years have started with 
people using Ouija boards. Now, just for those who do not know what a Ouija board is, it is a it looks like a, a, a game board. And as a matter of fact, it's sold by Milton Bradley as somebody I've been after for years to get rid of because like, you know, like they're going to listen to me. And it has numbers and letters on it, and there's a device called the planchette, or at least that's what it used to be called, and you put your fingers on it, and it moves around and points to the letters and the numbers, and that's supposed to spell out messages. Well, my first and last experience was one of, was one of these things was when I was in grade school in uh, the old country, uh, Connecticut, and uh, my friend and I were using this. He'd received one for his birthday, and we asked it a number of questions, which were very interesting. It seemed to know a lot whatever was talking, and uh, it, we asked it when we were going to die. And it said he would die in 1985, and he did, because this is back in the 60s. He was killed in a diving accident in Narragansett Bay here in Rhode Island. Um, I supposedly have several years to go, so, you know, I'm not... <laughs> it's just So people might say, well, it might not be entities communicating with you, good or bad or negative or otherwise. It might be just you communicating with yourself. You're in touch with where you are in other worlds and, and uh, your higher self or whatever you want to call it, and that's what's giving you these messages. But, you know, I suppose that's possible, but with the negative results I've seen from some of these things, we get notes all the time from people, well, you know, we used the Ouija board, my friends and I, and something came through. It's it's wrecking the house, and not now how do we get it back into the board? I mean, this is not where it comes from. It's not like Jumanji here. No, of course not. You know, people see too many movies, but these things do happen. What you're doing is you're punching holes in space-time, and you don't know what's going to come through. I always compare it with, with if, if you're going to, you want to meet your neighbor, and you go over and you use a bulldozer to, to, to knock down their front wall rather than sort of, being outside, you know, being there when you want. So if it is something that's not negative, then um, it, it, you just you just don't know. It's it's not worth it. And so many negative things have happened with this and with seances. I put them in the same group that it's not worth fooling around with. So Helen, I would suggest you just stay away from this. Uh, there's nothing you want to know that is uh, you you don't know inside yourself that, that you need to know. And I just you just don't know what you're talking to. And people believe everything they hear from that. I, I can't believe that. You know, as I often say, I don't believe half the people I meet during the day, never mind, you know, something that comes through some board. But, and, and what you really have to watch out for is if you feed this thing, it gets stronger. And if it starts feeding your ego. Well, think of what you learned in kindergarten. Don't talk to strangers. Right, exactly. And then there's a business about cousin. Uh, uh, that was uh, Helen, our cousin Helen, who was very, she was, I think she passed away, she was 103. Uh, in Florida area, wow. we, we never met her, but she, uh, other anyway, she was cousin of ours by marriage, and she um, wrote to me and said, you know, I, I use this every day because she read the same book, and actually I was referring to her uh, the same book, and she was um, amused and said, you know, she, she she wouldn't be able to talk to her friends every day if she didn't use this thing. She never had any trouble. Well, I don't know really what happened. I never met her. I never saw her use the board. But everybody said she used this Ouija board every day. But, I mean, that, that, in my experience, is a rarity, as are you, uh, Helen, if you've used it for years and you don't have any problems. I just think it's not worth it. It's like playing with dynamite or, or, or being an amateur volcano hunter or something. I mean, you just, you just, you know. Undersea volcano hunters. Yeah, right. You know, without, without, without diving gear. It's just, it's not worth it. All right, so enough said on that subject. Here's one from George in Foxborough, Massachusetts, home of the New England Patriots. 
All right, uh, George writes to us. Hello, gentlemen. I enjoy your show immensely, uh, but when you get into parasites and politics, I get very disturbed. Not because I think you are wrong, because I think you are right. Uh-oh. I think what you say about parasites feeding off all all this negativity is all too true. Also, I do not know uh, what to make of this talk about reptilians in politics, and you really never have brought it up. Uh, at least not for from the shows I have heard. Could these reptilians really be parasites? All right, now, now, our dear friend that George here is throwing around terms that perhaps should be briefly explained. When we refer to parasites, we're talking about what are traditionally known as, in folklore as demons. That's how people perceive them. What they actually are, in our experience and in my experience, are life forms from one of these parallel or more parallel worlds. There are about nine different species of them, strange as it may sound, but they're like cosmic mosquitoes. They feed off human energy, negative human energy, and all kinds of problems can result. But they're they're, they're parasitical entities like anything else in nature where there are parasites. I think that's what I started coming to that conclusion in the late 1970s. But, you know, most people don't look at it that way, but that's how we see it. And I've had uh, up-close and personal encounters with these things, they're quite physical in their own worlds. Uh, I have been injured by them, and they are not pleasant to deal with. So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about parasites, parasites and politics. I've always speculated. As a matter of fact, I, I speculated officially in my last book. Uh, you know, one, one wonders what influence these things can have in government or on any level, because look at what they do to families and individuals. All the stuff you hear about demonic possession or obsession or oppression or any of the or poltergeists all go back, in my opinion and in my experience, to these parasitical entities. They push buttons to make you scared or annoyed or angry or anything else to, um, in order to, that, that releases energy they can feed on. That's the, the, that's the best way I can put it. And I've seen this happen because it's happened to me. Uh, especially one famous case in 1974. When I, I was trying to protect a child from one of these things, it was it was throwing things around the room, and, and I, it eventually got around me and threw the child across the room. I got angry, and it got stronger and stronger and stronger, and it dawned on me, it's feeding on me. And I had to pull the family out of the house until more help came uh, at that point. But it was uh, that's how I learned to my cost that, in another case, is that you don't feed these things. And the best way to get rid of them is to bring in positive energy and cut cut off the food supply. So anyway... I've always wondered if it can do this in a household, what can it do in the Capitol at Washington or the Houses of Parliament in London or Ottawa or any, any, or Moscow, any, any place you want to speculate? What can it do? Um, and I can see why George writes here that he gets very disturbed about this, uh, because he thinks we may be right. Um, there is so much negativity, particularly in American politics today that, that, you know, not, not to get political. I know people get upset when we get political, some of them. But you cannot get away from the idea that maybe there's a serious problem uh, with all the negativity we're putting out, and what is it feeding? What, what's the result going to be? You, you can't have a negative spirit in your house or, or a negative attitude in, in your life, in your home, in your family. It's just unbelievably destructive. It separates people from one another, and what's that? That is what things must not be all about. The world needs to be about what we call the unity and ancient cultures will tell you the same thing. You can't have this this divisiveness that's going on and not expect serious consequences. So I worry about it too, George. And uh, now, now, now he gets into the term reptilians. 
Okay, now now we don't really talk a lot about this because I don't know about you, Ben, but I don't really know what to do uh, with it. I, yeah, I feel I feel like it's one of those things where you see it and you know it's there, but well, you don't know it's there. You see it and you look at it and you're like, I don't really know about. Well, that. what the reptilian thing is about is supposedly <laughs> this is a species or one of the species that is flying the UFOs and that is from some, whether it's a parallel world or another, another planet or both, uh, that supposedly are having great influence and have had great influence in human history. I mean, anything is possible. And in, in good old quantum physics, if you interpret it as some people do, if you can conceive of it, it is happening somewhere or some when in this multiverse. So somewhere there's... Reptilians, and they call them that because they, they supposedly have uh, scaly skin and all this business. People supposedly have seen them. Uh, I get a little annoyed when you know you're watching um, uh, some sort of a report on this, and uh, you know, they're showing some prominent politician, and all of a sudden, uh, somehow something happens in the thing that it gets pixelated, and I say, "Aha! He or she is really a reptilian." I mean, it, it does get kind of carried away, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of weird stuff that happens with cameras anyway to a lot of people. I mean, that doesn't make them reptilians. But I suppose, and we've, we've had credible people like Bill Burns from UFO Unders, who was, has a PhD. I don't know if people realize that. He's also a lawyer uh, who has talked very intelligently on our show about reptilians the few times we've touched on the subject. But again, I mean, I don't know what to tell you here, George. I don't know what really to do with that subject. If there, there, there must be some somewhere uh, intelligent. There's well, Some of the speculation has to do with uh, in a parallel world where the comet or asteroid or whatever it was that killed the dinosaurs had not hit or they had not died out. Or the velociraptors ran into the center of the earth and hid there and then somehow became ridiculously evolved and... Yeah, well, who knows? But I mean, there's no evidence of that, but had that species not been, had that group of species not been wiped out, then you might have had uh, some over a period of millions of years intelligent species of of dinosaurs who would, I suppose, look like these reptilians. I mean, that's conceivable from an evolutionary standpoint. Well, how do we know that they weren't intelligent in the first place? Well, that's that's very true. Uh, We're finding a lot of um, creatures that have language uh, are intelligent in the first place anyway. So anyway, but but these two-legged iguanas here, I I don't know uh, what what really to make of it, but uh, could... After that long answer, could these reptilians really be parasites? Yeah, sure. Uh, We run into cases now and then, and I did in the past, where people see greys, which are the most common form of supposedly aliens who abduct people, and this is generally what they see in the medical experiments or in their bedrooms when they're abducted, and this is what they report. uh, That these are uh, really reptilians, Uh, and at times also they have been. reported in houses and there's also ghost phenomena in the classic sense going on so one wonders if they're not causing that so it all does blend here which is why we approach the paranormal as a whole rather than as separate um, separate subjects really so that's about all i can say on that one uh here's one from uh margo i couldn't pronounce her last name if i try uh binghamton new york well, good thing, because she said no use of full name. Right. All right, so greetings, Paul and Ben. Uh, great show. I remember uh, one show a few years ago where you mentioned the ironic fact that so many psychics and mediums that advise others actually have messed up lives themselves. I thought of that when my sister called me last week and said she just went to this great psychic in our city uh, that told her all about herself. First, why pay a psychic to tell you things you already know? that's a good point that is a good point second I found out that the psychic just got divorced for the third time 
uh, was in a car accident and just declared bankruptcy. Good heavens. I'm sorry for her, but this kind of uh, – is this the kind of person that you want to get advice from? Uh, <laughs> For pay, yeah. If, if these people have such great gifts, why can't they run their own lives? Well, that's because you don't use your gifts for money. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you if you have it, why make people pay for it when you should just share it? Yeah, I think that that, that might be part of it. But Margaret, th- that's a very good and incisive and thoughtful note. Thank you so much for that. But I, ha- you know, we have noticed that um, th- we don't know. Well, I mean, I've encountered many, many psychics over the years, and a lot of them, you know, we're here. They're giving advice to other people, and, the, and the, they've generally have a, made a pig's breakfast out of their own lives. And I just, I don't know. That, that, that kind of strikes me as ironic. Yeah, I see what Ben is saying too, um, and I just, I, I, I just would never be comfortable charging for for anything like that. It's just, um, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I just. Well, people have to follow their own way, and I know people have to make a living. And the, I suppose the uh, <clears throat> worker in the vineyard is entitled to the uh, wage, as the Bible would say. But I just I'm uncomfortable with it. But I don't know. I think it's a good question. I really can't answer it entirely. But it it uh, a lot of psychics I know uh, really have messed up. Others are very solid. You know who's really great is Susan Shepard in West Virginia. Uh, we know Susan well, and she's been on the show several times, and she uh, works as a, as a psychic, among other things, and she's uh, really feet on the ground, yeah, she's in really my nice. opinion. Yeah. I, I like her. Yeah. Uh, stable family life. In this case. So this is not true of all these all these folks, but uh, a lot of them it is, and I, I, I would say, uh, I wonder if that's not an indication that maybe they're uh, not legitimate. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I suppose people can have problems in their lives that, that, isn't, that really isn't necessarily their fault, but... I don't know. I really have no no pat answer to that, but it is a very good observation, Margo, and uh, thank you very much. Okay, uh, we have a couple of long ones here. Um, oh, maybe too long. I should have brought some shorter ones. But a lot of people write we long used letters. The, we used all the short ones. We would, yeah, we would advise that you try and, and make them as short as possible, which, as Ben has pointed out, is ironic. Yeah, because we need more information. It's like, we need more information. It's too short. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so sorry about that. <laughs> so in that case, uh, you can write separately uh, if we do ask for more information. Because people very often write in, uh, well, we have you know the ghost problem. I remember the one last week uh, who, who had written it. Well, it, was, it came before that, but we read it during our last open line show. Yeah. That... There would, she would, she was very afraid. A friend of hers had uh, a, a apparition of a young man who was standing, and a lot of him was not clear, but his face was yeah. staring at her in her own hallway all the time. And naturally, she was a little bit freaked she, out about yeah. this, you know, understandably so. And I've run into that several times. But then she said that no one else in the family noticed. No one else in the family had any inkling of this, and she didn't want to say it was really distressed, so we asked her to send in more information, which she has not yet. Done. So well, how long ago was that email thing. sent? Uh, a couple of weeks. Oh well, then yeah. I mean, we, we, we there's some in this pile from a year or two ago. We haven't gotten to yet. Oh, I, I don't doubt that. Nick. <laughs> yeah, but they, they uh, they're really long. So in any case, uh, <clears throat> well, I suppose if we want to. Um, uh, Wait, I think we actually might have started this. Me, uh, okay. Let me look at this. That's from Rick in Oklahoma. Uh, those are my pen marks. I think we might have started this a really long time ago. Not on this station. No, probably not. All right, uh, so this is from uh, Rick asking about Dr. Swanson. 
or uh, well, oh, the author of several books on the, the paranormal, whom I think we might have on the show. Um, all right. Yes. Okay. This this is this is much shorter. What was you? Oh, okay. There we go. Okay, so this is from Jonathan, and it says, uh, "I really enjoy the podcast, and the information is very good. But one question is: uh, is why is it that some of the most legitimate paranormal groups and sites, and I say this as a constructive criticism, have rather poor have a rather poorly built website? There are affordable programs and website template services, and reasonable price." Uh, reasonably priced professionals uh, that could easily take care of that. I know your focus is on the subject, but this field, uh, but this is a field that I need to get credibility where it can. And sadly, people judge groups based on the website's construction. I appreciate what you guys do with the paranormal community, and you're you're a fan. And then it ends. Okay, well, this is from Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for writing in. I, I'm I'm not sure that a lot of this field deserves credibility. No, no, the, I, I, he's poking, he's poking criticism at our website. He is. Yes. What's wrong? I didn't see that at all. I thought he's poking it at other websites. No, <laughs> he's saying that our website is poorly built. Shall I read it again? All right. Sorry. Maybe I'm getting old, but I, I thought he was referring to other websites. No. Have silly ghosts and you know weird. Flames and all odd stuff, you know, floating I, around. He might be talking about that, but I, I think I think that he's talking about our website, which is which website? Uh, the show website? All the websites. They're all they're very very not well put together. All right. Well, what do you suggest we do about it? D- remake them. <laughs> yeah. Who's really? Yes. All right. Well, well that very, takes time and money. They're very hard to navigate. They are. Yes. All right. I have trouble navigating it. I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people don't complain, but all right, we will look into that. Okay, well, if that's what you were talking about, Jonathan, thank you. We'll certainly take it under advice. We do have a new photograph. Okay, we're getting were, there. Baby we're, steps. We're getting there. Baby steps, exactly. Baby steps to yeah. new website. Okay. We um, also <clears throat> wanted to mention uh, last night on our CBS show, that's also the podcast is up already, BehindTheParanormal.com, that we had an interesting uh, discussion with uh, Tom Reed and Jim Morris about the um, use of the polygraph or the lie detector in paranormal cases. Tom's case involved his entire family uh, reportedly being abducted by aliens on several occasions, and the, he passed the lie detector test with a nearly 100% uh, score, which is pretty remarkable. And you can judge for yourself uh, based on the questions we asked at the time on that podcast. But uh, I thought that was extremely interesting, too. So um, we uh, also are going to be um, dealing with several other issues. A lot of people are saying we do too much on UFOs, but there's a lot going on in that field, too. So Yeah, there's always uh, something new going on. Yeah. And then people criticize us for not having stuff on ghosts, but we don't do that because, you know. Well, we, we do it now and then. Every so often. I, I usually use my own cases from the past or something we've done because it's just uh, there isn't much going on out there that I trust mm. too. Um, here is um, someone who has uh, I don't know if we have, I don't know if we got time for this. We could at least well, we, we yeah, probably like three and a half minutes. Uh, all right, why don't you just re- read the first sentence because it's something it's from Sophie in uh, Ormstown, Quebec. 
Okay, so Sophie writes to us, Dear Mr. Eno, it could be either one of us, <laughs> uh, I didn't read a fifth of the way through God, Ghost, and Human Destiny. My last book. When I realized I need to speak to you about parasites. Uh, I am very taken with your work, or uh, with the work you and your son are doing. Okay, well, that's the first sentence, but all we have time for. But I did talk to Sophie. Her story is very interesting. And we're thinking of um, kind of having her on the show. She seems to be one of these people who has lived in an area such as we covered uh, with with the uh, the fellow for, we're planning to cover with the, uh, the the person who wrote to us who had lived in Occidental California, and one of these places like Randlesham Forest that is a thin place as the natives would say. Right. All kinds of worlds seem to blend. Uh, the trouble is when you have parasitic activity at the same time, it can actually result in some very serious uh, serious problems. So uh, there we go. So we'll uh, we'll see what we can do with uh, some more of these situations and I have have spoken with Sophie on the phone some time ago and uh like to hear a uh, um, an update on on her situation but again it's pretty much all over the place as our questioner asked that strange things are going on because these worlds tend to blend okay so again we point out behindtheparanormal.com our show website you can find out about guests past present and future 450 podcasts almost on that now you can buy my books. You can subscribe to our newsletter, or which is only four times a year, and winter one is late. Uh, or you can become a reporter at the site. So uh, many thanks to our producer this evening, Ben himself. And on our March 11th show, we will welcome Niels Hobbs, I hope, of the University of Rhode Island for a discussion of H.P. Lovecraft and the paranormal. Niels is the uh, one of the organizers of Necronomicon 2013, which is going to be in Providence in August. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft being not only a cousin of Ben's and mine, but one of the greatest uh, horror writers of the 20th century. I'm, I'm very excited for this show. I, it should be I'm, great. I'm pretty excited. When I'm in studio, too, he's from the University of Rhode Island, and uh, he's going to be in studio hopefully next week. Uh, he has We have problems with scheduling and the flu and everything else, but it looks like we really got him for next week. The question is, what did Lovecraft know and when did he know it? Or did he know it? I don't think he did. How did he know it? Where did he know it? So there's... So on our CBS edition on March 10th, my dad and I will offer another open line show and send your questions to us online using the form at BehindTheParanormal.com or you can write to us here at BehindTheParanormal.com or Paranormal Radio. Oh, uh, sorry, Behind the Paranormal Radio, uh, care of... Or in care of, uh, W-O-O-N, 1240 AM. Sorry, I'm used to reading emails. And that is 985 Park Ave, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, 02895. And we leave you this evening with a lively thought from Bess Truman, wife of the late U.S. President Harry Truman. Now about those ghosts, I'm sure they're here and I'm not half so alarmed at meeting up with them as I am at having to meet the live nuts I have to see every day, unquote. Uh, how true. I'm, well, so anyway, folks, uh, bid you a good evening. And if you want to really want to be scared, stay tuned uh, here on ON for the town, co- the city council meeting. <laughs> Dave uh, already made that maybe. joke. I know. Well, no, maybe they didn't. That's the real <laughs> creepy stuff. Oh, dear. Anyway, I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben. And thanks for sailing with us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.